Hey, Mickey. I say, hey, Mickey. Oh, oh, boy. You know, each week I say, how can Mickey surpass the bar he sat last week in terms of visual gags? But I would say this just about gets it. For, for folks listening on audio, that was a whole tray full of chattering teeth. Uh, uh, and Bob, why was that relevant? Beats me. <laughs> you tell me. I'm, I'm guessing it's related to infrastructure. Oh, there's a close-up of a single mouthful of chattering teeth. Uh, even um, more effective than multiple mouthfuls. Bob, what is, it, what is at stake in the infrastructure bill? There's some provision you're particularly fond of. Uh, you know, Mickey, I'm, uh, let's see, provision I'm fond I don't know, free community college? No. No. Oh, no. Dental coverage is, is in Medicare. Not going to happen. Don't tell me. Say it ain't so. No, it, it's, it, it might happen. Uh, Mansion seems to like it, but you, I, I would imagine. But um, but you ever, you ever been to West Virginia? What? <laughs> uh, but uh, well, it was it was dead, which is when I ordered those chattering teeth. But now it seems to be alive because of, of Mansion. I actually don't know. The, the conventional wisdom was that they were fighting over whether to but, but, but uh, boy, okay, wait, 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 I gotta interject did you say you ordered those chattering teeth for this occasion you because you, you, you know I so, have chattering teeth lying around just in case well the reason I ask is you can you know sometimes people ask like they say well look I'd love to join your parrot room patreon but how can I be sure that the money will be well spent <laughs> they ask this question and Mickey you've just given them the answer. That is tremendous marketing it, on your part. Thank you. You know, these things aren't getting any cheaper. <laughs> no, I would imagine that one's like several dollars right there. <laughs> anyway, this the 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 reconciliation bill, which is the Democrats' big grab bag bill of uh, spend the money now before we lose Congress. This is our last chance. So let's load up all the spending we want into this one big bill. Uh, but there wasn't quite enough to cover both uh, expanding Medicare to cover dental and extending Medicaid to cover those states that didn't expand it under the Obamacare law. It, it, it gave the states an option and some states didn't do it. So do you want to cover poor people with Medicaid or do you want to give seniors who are of all income levels more coverage that only starts in 2028, Bob? I don't know how old you'll be at 2028, but... We don't want to uh, think about that. But just to be clear, would the Medicaid, dental care. the Medicaid thing would have taken the discretion away from the governors because a lot it of Republican governors I, I chose not well, to do I think that. it would have said, OK, governors, you don't want Medicaid. We're going to come in and do it anyway right. in your state. Uh, okay. it, it, most governors have taken it, but some haven't. So I think it was going to be a sort of federal subsidy slash takeover of that. Uh, um, but so... Uh, Clyburn was winning and, and Bernie Sanders, who's the dental care guy, was losing and they were going to spend the money on Medicaid, which sort of makes sense. I mean, if they're if there are poor people who aren't covered, you want to cover them before you give extra coverage to the elderly. Uh, on the other hand, Obamacare is a, you know, a ridiculous stratified system where there's Medicaid and then there's the Obamacare exchanges and then there's yeah. your private health care plan. And then when you're 65, you breathe a huge sigh of relief because you're in Medicare and your problems are solved. Right. So why not build on Medicare instead of this ridiculous tiered system? Uh, but it looked like that 
you were going to lose your dental care, but now it's back on the table, I think. Wow, you're you're so you're fo- you're paying attention at a pretty micro well, level. I didn't realize details at that level were even enough. available. Well, that was available a, a, about a week and a half ago. Lately, there have been no details available. That's the problem. What what's what the situation is? Uh, you you say you haven't been following it. Well, as of last night, I kind of tried to follow it. Today, I was doing uh, I was busy getting a okay. newsletter half out. But um, okay, well, b- basically, what what happened is. There are these two bills. There's the little right. hard infrastructure bill that everybody likes that passed that, the Senate, and all the House has to do is pass it, and it's law. But no, the progressives have decided they don't want to do that bill until they get the big. Whoa, 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 whoa! Don't make bill. it. Don't make it sound like a last-minute decision. I believe they thought that was the deal they had from the beginning, and when the and when the Democratic senators voted, when the pro- more progressive Democratic senators voted for the bipartisan hard infrastructure bill. They were told that there would be linkage. We would we would make sure it, that the sub, bigger soft it, infrastructure bill was it, going to pass as well. There was no deal, but Pelosi made said that she would not she would link them and not do the one until you had the other. Yeah, but I, and it was clearly the strategy. But there was no deal. There was no well, wait, wait, deal wait. stuff is bullshit. I don't. I, I, you don't think she reassured her reluctant progressives? Of that. She, we, yes, but th- that's not a deal. She can't bind Mansion. Man- Mansion and Cinema did not cut a deal. There was no deal. Pelosi can no, say, "No, no, I assure you, we won't do this." Wait. That's not a deal. That's Pelosi assuring them. And then what happened? Wait. Just let me finish the story. What happened at the beginning of this week is Pelosi decided, "Okay, I'm going to screw the progressives. We're going to have the bill or the little bill without the big bill." Then the progressives stood strong. Then Pelosi flipped back. And screwed the moderates and said, "Okay, we're not, we're going to link the two. We're not going to do anything until we have the details." But really, her plan was an idea so crazy it just might have worked, which is we're going to actually hash out the big bill, which is nowhere near done, in in two days, and then we're going to pass them both, okay? Or at least come close enough to the big bill. We're going to have a framework. Right. That we can sell to the progressive the, the, the and then Manchin we can pass and the little cinema one. will sign on to. And then we will have a deal with Manchin right. and Cinema. And yes. but to be clear, I'm not saying she ever had a deal with Manchin and Cinema or that anybody did. No, the deal was the reassurance was given to progressives that by linking the two, they could guarantee them that hard infrastructure would not pass unless. Mansion and Cinema got on board with soft infrastructure, and that would be the leverage that encouraged them to get on board. That was, was the, idea. the deal between. That was there, the have to be part, there have to be parties to a deal. I believe it's, that that's what uh, that what they told progressive senators who voted for hard who infrastructure. They? Who is the they who the, told I, the I, I, I assume Schumer and Pelosi. I don't know. That's what I've heard. You, well, you, you're sure it's not true? The reporters I trust, like Bill Share of Blogging Heads. Have said there's no deal that the deal was that this talk of a deal is bullshit. It's possible, but that Pelosi told them that, then then they should be pissed at Pelosi because then Pelosi's well, running a deal, a deal of hers. But there was no deal. They imply there was a deal with that everybody signed off on, and that's just not true. No, I'm not saying Mansion Cinema signed off. That's the whole. They're the whole problem. The deal would be designed to create leverage used on them. What's well, so progressives? negotiate among themselves and they decide we have a deal among ourselves that we're not going to pass this bill. Well, who gives a shit about that? That's nothing. 
That's just them well, saying well, not, we have a, we have we're determined to do this. Well, and again, then when it meets the immovable not, object, the deal sort of collapses. I don't want to belabor it's this. Not a deal. I don't want to belabor this. But what I'm saying is the deal was between the congressional leadership on the Democratic side and the progressive Democrats who were told you can vote for hard infrastructure now and be assured it will not pass unless soft infrastructure I, passes. And that is within Pelosi's power to deliver on. It may mean that neither passes, I, but it's it within her power they, to see that they that's haven't, done. I haven't seen uh, the the leader of the progressives, whose name I don't want to mispronounce, uh, Jayapal. Um, that's better uh, than I could have said, done. Uh, uh, I haven't heard her. I'd say, Pelosi, we had this deal with you. They just talk about the deal as if it was a deal that the moderates are reneging on. And I don't think that's true. It may be a deal that Pelosi is reneging on. She has to have reneged on a deal since she screwed one side and then screwed the other side. And so miraculously, nobody has pissed at her. That, well, that Mickey, pissed at her yet. if she reneged on a deal, then there was a deal. I don't want to, again, I don't want to belabor this. But, but it could have been she... a deal between AOC and, and Elon Omar. It's still a deal. That's not the deal that counts. The deal that would count would be the progressives and the opponents of the progressives, and there was no such deal. So you can't accuse the opponents of the progressives I'm, of violating a deal because they want to pass their I'm, little Mickey, bill. I'm sure people are really getting sick of <clears throat> me dwelling on this, but you said uh, Pelosi reneged, so she must have been involved in the deal. And that's all I'm saying. The deal was between her and maybe also Schumer and progressive Democrats. It's well, not maybe complicated. Pelosi, maybe was the Pelosi deal. reneged. The, what's coming yeah, out right. is that she Pel did. What, but who cares what Pelosi, <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, really their beef, their beef is with one of their own Pelosi, Pelosi. I mean, come on. No, they're pretending that they have some grievance against the larger forces raising against them. And they don't well, ask I, Bill I, Scheer. You can have Bill Scheer on blogging heads and ask. I don't have to ask him because I'm not dis disagreeing with him, Mickey. Okay. So what are we fighting about? You keep right. saying there was no deal whatsoever. And I'm describing a kind of deal there was. And this is the only deal I've ever heard of. I haven't even heard anybody say that Manchin promised us to 3.5 trillion no, soft they, infrastructure. Who's no, saying they actually, that? They do intimate that when Manchin and Cinema signed the budget deal establishing the rule and the framework for the debate, that they agreed to this. And they say, no, I specifically said at the time, I'm not going for the 3.5 trillion. I'm going for much a smaller number. I assume and that so all they along. Say, there was there is there was the suggestion that they somehow signed on when they signed on. To well, that's the, obvious bullshit because rule, the okay? whole logic behind the deal I described uh, was to use leverage against them, knowing that they hadn't signed on. But anyway, we agree on basically what happened. I think. Okay. Well. Well. Uh, there. There's. Anyway, Pelosi and Schumer. There are important things that they haven't said to each other. Like Schumer says, Pelosi didn't tell him when she decided to flip on the progressives and renounce this so-called deal before she reinstated it or tried to reinstate it. And uh, Schumer never told Pelosi that Manchin had signed a fairly detailed memo saying what his negotiating demands were. So the, Pelosi, the progressive has spent the last month saying, why doesn't Manchin say what his demands were when Schumer had the piece of paper in his hand. Well, this is he knew what the demands were. This is what's puzzling to me is now we're hearing, uh, maybe we've heard more since yesterday, but suddenly we're hearing uh, Manchin won't go above 1.5 trillion. Well, look, if that's his position now, you know, either he should have made that clear earlier and you're saying he did, 
or we have a bunch of really bad journalists in America, because if that hasn't leaked and it's been and it's been on the table for like a month, we have we have a reporting problem here. Um, The answer is at the time, I distinctly remember him saying one point five or maybe two. So he said that publicly at the very time around when the infrastructure bill, the little one passed the Senate. He said, look, I'm not going for this 3.5. My my line is 1.5. So he's been pretty clear the range well, he's why at. Why is everyone Plus sounding he signed surprised? signed this paper, piece of paper with, with Schumer. And it, it I don't know why it didn't leak. I guess they were holding it for the end. Uh, but then it finally did leak. So the big question for you is, and I assume I know the answer, that suppose Manchin holds the line. I mean, first of all, suppose this does, well, Let's back up. You've been paying attention. What is the state of play? There is not going to be a vote today. Today's the state Friday. of play is Pelosi was talking as if they, she was actually going to get this big framework in place, which is a Herculean task. And you actually have to admire her for having the energy to even get close. Uh, uh, this, so she's older you know, than she, us. You realize that this woman like is older years than old. us yeah. and still functioning. She must take some kind of... Uh, Vitamin we want what pill. we want. I'll have what she's having. <laughs> but um, anyway, um, the uh, th- she said there was going to be a vote last night. Uh, they put that off, and but they've technically kept the legislative day open. So in Congress, it's still September thirtieth, and they thought that they were going to continue in the morning. But in the morning, sort of things seem to have sort of uh gone. T- Gone back to entropy. I mean, cinema's gone to Arizona. Uh, you know, she's in contact, but there's there's no no voting is anywhere near in sight. What's happening now is Biden is traveling to Capitol Hill, even as we speak, and giving a sort of pep rally to the Democrats. But this this is a key, a key point because nobody's really quite sure what Biden wants. I mean, Biden clearly wants both bills, and he wants as much of them as possible. But does he want them to really want them to pass the little bill? You would think he would. It'd give him an achievement. Sure. sure. Yes, it put yet it puts off, you know, put it makes puts the big I bill yeah. in 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 jeopardy of being watered down. And he hasn't you know, he hasn't come down on the progressives according to them for for stalling the little bill, but he hasn't really uh you know, he hasn't really said, no, I want both bills. The progressives are right. He's He's been sort of vague and mushy, and maybe, oh. maybe in this talk he will stop being vague about it. If he had come down on the progressives with his full force, they would have had the bill, but he didn't. You think? I think if a president calls, you know, the people in the office and say, "You really got to do this. I promise you, we're not going to abandon well, you." I later, saw, I saw uh, something, that carries a lot of weight. I saw some headline just now that he was addressing Democrats in Congress or something. That's what I'm talking about. Okay, so he is doing that. That's the pep rally I talked about. Okay, so um, yeah, I, I would. I mean, first of all, I would think he would take the burden hand and hope for something on the other front. Because I mean, first of all, assuming he runs again, which I can't, I is certainly not guaranteed, and I half of me hopes doesn't happen. Um, you know, he won't have to worry about the nomination. That, that that's where not getting soft infrastructure would give you the most trouble, right? Um, I, I agree. I think he's fine if he just gets the, the hard bill, the little hard bill, and doesn't get his big bill. I think he's certainly fine for the nomination and fine for re-election. Nobody's going to, if the if the economy is in okay shape and the pandemic's under control, nobody's going to care that he didn't pass his bloated daycare bill. I'm sorry. 
Well, I don't think he's fine for re-election, but that's another question. Um, I, I do think uh, the main point is that th- that hard infrastructure, as far as legislative achievement, that would stand him in fairly good stead for general I election. Think, I think what they're, I think they're his his the White House is probably riven with disputes on this. There are probably some people who say take the bird of the hand. There are other people who say go for go for the big one. Uh, so, um, and I think maybe he thinks he's achieving strategic ambiguity, but so far he's achieved nothing because they haven't passed either. But bill. is it clear that he can have the bird in hand? I mean, the, the progressives are talking seriously about walking. Bernie Sanders, you know, is urging them to walk if, if they don't pair the two. Uh, and I, yes, he could have countered that if he'd been. If he'd been, I think he could have gotten just enough, maybe if, if, uh, hmm. you know, if he if he'd come down on them hard, if he'd committed to saying, "I got to have this little bill," uh, so but he so, didn't. So, what do you think is going to happen? Uh, it's, it, 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 they 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 go on some sort of little vacation soon. I don't think they're going to get anything done. But you know, they were making noises that they were going to vote today. I don't think they're going to vote today. Maybe I'll be proved wrong. Uh, by the time this uh, podcast goes up. But I don't think they're going to vote today. I think eventually they will hammer out some sort of deal with Manchin and Cinema for some sort of framework. Will that be enough for the progressive? The progressives say no. The progressives say you have to flush out the bill, actually write it with all the details, and then pass it, and mm-hmm. then we'll consider uh, consider voting for both. I sort of think that won't won't fly. I think they will do something... And it will have the it will have the hard bill. It will have parts of the soft bill. And the key question is what parts. And now, uh, you know, well, and they could have it now if they just agreed to whatever Mansion and Cinema want, which is not nothing. One point five trillion dollars. It's not, not nothing. nothing, but you know, uh, it's for for progressives who who you know are started off thinking about three point five trillion. They start I, off thinking of six. Or yeah, 10 or something. Okay, exactly. So, you know, it's kind of a bitter pill. I mean, especially given that it's not we're, we're not just talking about numbers. There's actual things they wanted that won't be in there. And and the question is, what are those? Now, I assume you're on cloud nine because I assume if Mansion keeps it to at least to no more than two trillion, uh your uh your bet noir, uh, which is you know, child tax credit that's not restricted to working parents would be out out the window, uh, right? That's not clear at all. Uh, uh it because my condolences, Mickey. Various you know, everybody's now coming up with their their here's what here are the three things they should include if they have to, you know, throw everything else overboard. And usually the child tax credit is in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it might only be for a few years. And the crucial issue, which is, will will there be a work test? And keep in mind, the work test does not mean a bureaucratic, oh, you know, I require you to show up at this job site. And if you don't, I'll take you off. It's just the it's the same rule that was there before 2020, which is you don't get the credit until you earn twenty five hundred dollars, not a high amount. Mm-hmm. And the credit then phases in at 15 percent of your income until like 15 or 18 when you get the full credit. So. It, it, nobody takes anything away. You just don't qualify, and it lops off the bottom twenty percent of the of the people who get the credit. But it also enforces the idea that you don't get it unless uh, you're, in some sense, a working household. So that's Manchin has said he's for that, or he's for some sort of work requirement. He re, 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 reiterated it again yesterday. But will with Manchin? You never know. Is he just saying that to please the folks back home and he'll give up on it 
in the negotiating room? Can he be bought off with more favors for coal, which are also in his in his list of demands? So he gets the coal, and he, you know, but the environmental lobby is pretty anti-coal. Mm -hmm. So you would think there would be resistance to that. Uh, it, it's it's really just up to Manchin. I mean, there are other senators who are for, who are for a work requirement, like Marco Rubio and Tom Cotton, and allegedly. Uh, Lee of Utah, but um, Manchin is 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 the main guy, and, and the answer is I don't know. Uh, I'm on tenor hooks. I'm trying to find out. I know you are. What about commu free community college? Is that what about free is that on the chopping not on block? Any of the lists? Uh, it's not on, uh, It's not but, considered excisable by by anyone. No, it is considered excisable. But, uh. but I think I think it is excisable. But I'm not sure. But Biden gave a speech to the Democrats where he said. He said, okay, instead of 15 things, you only get 10 things. Well, I think it's, you know, he may be, even that might be optimistic, but I haven't heard anybody say community college is on our list of the five or 10 things we're going to save. I see. Uh, so, but I don't know. It's possible. that The community college lobby is very powerful. So two questions. One is, I assume somebody has already made the joke about about Kirsten Cinema, the reason her last name is Cinema is because blank. Can you fill in that blank? Because she's a drama queen. Exactly. Is that joke? No, but name? I noticed she's a bisexual. Tri she's a bisexual triathlete, and now she's bicameral too. So, in the sense of, I mean, she's actually it, only she's a in senator the Senate. who's working with the House. That's, I'm not sure which sense. joke loses, but it's a close race. <laughs> well, I would say <laughs> I, I think we both wisely refrained from tweeting our jokes. The say, I mean, the fact I, that you, I, hear, I did hear a good joke the other day, but it's um, parrot room too, only. Too dirty for too dirty. Okay, for I'm writing that down as our first parrot room item. And it's not my joke. What are the ethics of stealing somebody else's joke? Uh, oh, he probably stole it from somebody else too. So yeah, all you have to do is say I stole it. You don't have to mention him. That's um, full credit in the joke stealing business. So the uh, I, wait, it, I have one more technical question. When they say she hasn't even whipped the vote yet, whipping, I've heard it all my life, never been totally sure. Does it just mean going around getting firm commitments and using whatever leverage you can to get them? Yes. Okay. I think that's what it means. It means okay. you, you find out which way people are going and then you focus on the people who are on the fence, a sort of triage, and you mm. pressure them. Mm -hmm. uh, but I don't think I don't think I, I think the really big pressure where Pelosi comes in and, you know, wheels and deals is not technically whipping. That's something else. But Pelosi's idea was to hold the vote open. And it, it would be short and then she would gradually work both sides, work the Democrats who are holding out and maybe the Republicans who, you know, nine of them are going to vote for it because it's a good bill. Uh, and, you know, it's, the leadership of the Republicans says don't vote for it, but she might be able to coax enough of them away to make the votes in the middle enough to pass it. Uh, that was her strategy. So, but whipping is just a basically a, a counting and I think mild pressure. Do you think age is and, an issue here? I mean, in terms it, of their inability to get this done. I mean, Pelosi and Biden, look, they're both in at least as good a shape as I'll be in at that age. Pelosi, Pelosi seems to be uninhibited by age. She, she babbles a bit and says incoherent things, <laughs> uh, but but she's done that for a while, and I think she's effective when she wants to be in it. You know, this whole crazy strategy is her crazy strategy. So if it works, it's quite an impressive achievement. I mean, basically, what what seems to have happened is, 
you know, people like Jake Sherman, who I respect, when, when you try to follow these things from afar, you follow a few reporters and Jake Sherman is one of them and Heather Cagle is another and Burgess Everett is another. And But Sherman thinks the moderates blew it by insisting on a vote on a certain day, which was Monday, it got moved to Thursday. Um, because then all the leverage was with the progressives. But so what? I mean, they were going to have it out at some point. It seems to me the moderates did Pelosi a huge favor by they're having it out now on an accelerated basis instead of, you know, luxuriously having it out over months and months and months when I don't think time is on Biden's side here. So I think you wouldn't think uh, if you were if you were Biden, you'd want to get it done now and then you can figure out something else to do for the three months that remain before Christmas, you know. But uh, yeah, it, it, it would. Um, so I, I don't I don't. The other issue is would it have been better if they hadn't had this crazy two bill strategy at all. And why was there a crazy two bill strategy? Was it because Biden wanted to seem bipartisan or was it because it was a way to maximize the progressives influence by letting them hold this popular bill hostage? But oh, you mean, it, why did they split this into two bills to begin with? Or why did they link yes, them and have one be bipartisan and one not? Why did they why did they just have one big bill? Well, where the progressives have it out with the moderates and they have a little infrastructure and a little soft infrastructure. I don't know. It made sense. And they come on, up with a big stew that satisfies enough made people. made sense on paper. You get a bunch of stuff people like and you can say you were a bipartisan president and and you get it done. Uh, and but then, he's not getting it done. Well, on paper, I said it made sense. <laughs> okay. and, then, and then uh and then you've got this second thing that that may uh, seem tenuous until you come up with this genius strategy uh, of of saying that you're going to link the two and not vote on the hard in the House until you get the soft. But of course, that is kind of when things started falling apart, when when Biden started blabbering about that uh, seemingly ill advisedly. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know if there's a way they could have done that and kind of kept it semi secret or something. I, I I don't understand. I don't know. I'm not. No, Biden that went further than even even your alleged deal would have it, and he said he would basically veto it unless the other bill. Uh, you know, he just missed. He's he, well, he that wildly what he said? exaggerated. Whoa! He said I'm not signing it, but he only has so many days to sign it, or else it's a pocket veto. I think. So um, yeah, they could have just let that get conveyed quietly to Democrats. I think, and even if it gets out kind of publicly, it's not the same as him saying It's it. sort of ridiculous. It looks bad. It was like, here's a good bipartisan bill that everybody loves, but I'm not going to give it to you now unless I get my my shitty partisan bill. That's yeah. that's the that's the way the narrative is going. And if you read the New York Times piece today it, by Jonathan Weissman, of whom I have, uh, what's Lower. the word? Uh, Only the lowest uh, regard? The, the, the minimal high regard. I hold the minimal high okay. regard, yes. Um, uh, he, but he's a big lib. He's a hothead, but he's a big lib. He's keeping abuse on the progressives for delaying this infrastructure bill. Okay. So the party line of the New York Times is now what I'm talking about, which is progressives getting shit for holding up uh, this hard achieved bill to get their pie in the sky, you know, liberal, soft social welfare bloat. So um, if even Weissman is saying it, I mean, you know, that's sort of the mainstream. Huh. I don't know. So it, it, it could it could be happening even as we speak and it could happen and something's going to happen eventually. But uh, and luckily, the 
public, I don't think, cares about any of this. Well, I mean, the cause for hope is that it is, in theory, in the interest of all Democrats to get a a version of soft infrastructure passed and hard infrastructure yeah. passed. Getting nothing passed is the version of the prisoner's dilemma where both sides end up going to the electric chair. <laughs> well, they, they, they both get a longer a longer sentence, yeah. yeah. So, um, uh, and I guess that does happen sometimes, right? Well, it does. I mean, it certainly happens in, in real life. I mean, for one thing, human psychology plays a role. Even politicians sometimes just get pissed off. Uh, but the other thing is just the way their individual calculations play out. I mean, some of them, uh, I, I think, really need specific packages, they think, for political purposes, specific parts of the package. And uh, who are you thinking of? I'm, I don't think the progressives are like that. The progressives just need, I, they just need to show they put up a good fight. They're I'm, in the sitter business. I'm speaking, uh, I mean, in pure game theory, uh, the, the way you wind up uh, screwing each other while being in some sense rational is if it's an iterated thing. So in other words, you want to establish a credibility of your signaling for next time around, right? Th right. That's when it's actually kind of, ra th that's when even if you're communicating with each other in the prisoner's dilemma, and it's when you can't communicate that it's the classic prisoner's dilemma, but it's, uh, these guys can communicate with each other, uh, but it could still make sense to die on their sword if they're thinking, well, we'll go through this game but, again a year from now, two years from now. They have to know I mean business. It, it's it's but, the signaling. But the uh, whole the whole yeah. basis of this is, is that it's not iterative, that they're not going to do it again. This is their last chance to spend. And they're going to lose the Congress, and there ain't going to well, be no more chances. That's a good. That's a good. That's a good point. I mean, there still are things that they bargain over. You always bargain as a member of Congress, so you could say that it's right. part of their their generic credibility establishing. But you're well, right that the stakes are uh, the Democrats aren't going to have the potential to do this much for a while. Yeah. I mean, I I guess I was distinguishing guys like Gottheimer, who sort of has to do something about about the state and local tax deduction and Manchin who has to do something about coal and the progressives who would be ecstatic if they got parts of their agenda, but don't really have to do it to get reelected because they're in the, uh. I'm a progressive standing up to the man business. And, and it helps if they're perceived as successful and if they're perceived as bossing the moderates around, but they don't really have to get any one thing, I don't think. Well, that's what could kill this then. If they'd rather uh, be seen screwing Joe Manchin. Uh, no, I then, don't think they, I think they want to be seen as as having, having be the new power in Congress. That's what they want to be seen as. Well, so they'd like to actually win, but. Uh, they'd like to achieve something, but if they, you know, but if they, if they, if they, if they could achieve you know, Manchin lets them achieve something. It's 1.5 trillion. They can do a lot with 1.5 trillion. The, yeah. The, the dangerous thing is that they, of course, is that they use 1.5 trillion. There was once this, there was this once this little store in New York called the Department Store, and it was like it was like a department store. It had a shoe department which had one pair of shoes, and a suit department which had one suit. It, you know, it had like it had like. Wait, was it, little, a, was it a joke store? What are you talking about? No, I think it, I think they said this is this is our you know this is our we think this is the best pair of shoes to sell. It was a very fashionable store, but no, nobody but the bill could be like that. It could have it could start twelve programs, but only for a year, 
uh, on the grounds that once you start them, you'll never stop them. So the the 1.5 trillion could balloon into six trillion uh, by year ten. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, the evil child tax credit is only now authorized to 2025, and they could cut that back further because it's wildly expensive. Of course, that's its problem. It's 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 basically giving cash to 30 percent of the entire population. Wildly expensive. So anyway. Um, it remains to be seen whether Pelosi's a genius or flailing. She looked mm-hmm. like she was flailing. Now she looks sort of like a potential genius. I don't uh, know, man. Uh, it's it's not looking like that to me so far. But maybe you and, know something I know. And, and, and I Mickey's know. in agony. Let the, let the record show that um, if they if they went back to the old rules about the child tax credit, which is you have to earn twenty five hundred dollars. I don't care about the rest of the bill. They can pass it as far as I, you know, it has some good things in it. It has some bad things in it. I don't care. I certainly don't oppose it. Wait, it's you really have to earn 2500 per year? Correct. Well, that's not a very high floor. No. So you if could work a couple of months a year and and and, and get the correct. tax credit. Yeah. Or, you, or I, you know, and many people, it's like they're an income tax credit. Many people just lie. And the, you so the do IRS spends a lot of manpower cracking down on people lying. But um, I guess, you know, one assumes that uh, uh, they've figured out how to make it harder to lie on this. Yeah. And you also have to have a child. So it's, it's uh, you know, if you, you, look, if you look at the unemployment fraud in California, it's like $20 billion. Okay. It's massive. Mm-hmm. So with computers, people have figured out how to, commit fraud on a huge scale. So you do have to worry about temptations to lie. So what else is going on in this crazy old world? Um, I don't understand what's going on with the pandemic. Mm. Pretty, you know, 80% of the population is vaccinated in many states, yet we're told the, the hospital wards are overflowing, it's the infection is rampant. Well, if they're vaccinated, how could it be that bad? And when okay. you look at the death rates, it's not that bad. So oh, wait. The death rates are the caseload is dropping fairly, very clearly. The death in the nation, but in, in the, the states, in the, in, in the oh, states where Matt Drudge has links saying Alaska overwhelmed despite being vaxxed, the cases are going through the roof. Only like the last two days have they started to drop, and the deaths have gone up a bit, not a lot, but they have gone up a bit. But I think mainly what's happening is that people are getting sick but not dying. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is better than getting sick and dying. Well, I, I mean, they're not dying is consistent with a high vax rate. I mean, one thing vaccination right. that does. That would be explaining yeah. what's happened. Yeah, that well, that's be, so that's all good. So what's the mystery? The mystery is why the cases are rising. Why are they filling up the hospital wards? How sick could they be? And and it, it, the, the, the purpose of the vax was to stop people from having to go to the hospital. Well, yeah, but Delta proved more challenging for the vax than the original virus. Uh, still seems See? to do a pretty good job of keeping you from dying. Uh, it, it's just hard for me to reconcile the scare t- headlines on Drudge with the chart that you saw, which shows that the that the case rate is going down finally. In the nation, uh, it clearly is. Even the even the death rate. Um, I'll check again. But as of yesterday, 
it had been kind of on a mild decline for the last few days, has clearly been on at least a plateau for, uh, you know, for a week or so. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, I guess the good news is I haven't read about any new um, any new variants, any new scary variants of you. I mean, we heard about no, Delta but it's hard a while to, I don't quite understand up. the mechanism by which all the variants disappear. I mean, you well, would think there would have to be something to take uh, Delta's place, but maybe not. The There's a pill. Yeah, now that's interesting. So Merck has uh, a pill. It's a therapy uh, for the disease, not a, not a prophylactic. Uh, but they say it cuts the chances of something in half, hospitalization, what is it? something think, in half, yeah. maybe dying in half. The yeah. um, uh, It's interesting because I remember, you know, the whole the whole Brett Weinstein um, ever, ivermectin thing back months ago when people would say, uh, but wait, even Merck is saying there that uh, ivermectin is not to be trusted for this. And Merck makes ivermectin. Uh, the, the Weinsteinian line was, yeah, but Merck's got a drug in, you know, uh, backstage that's about to come out that they can charge a lot more for that is a COVID therapy. Uh, they can charge more for it because it is still under patent protection. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, here that drug is. Well, at this point, I'll, I'd be happy to let Merck have their money. Yeah. Uh, if it, no, if it I, actually it's, does. Uh, the the interesting good. thing is that people are thinking that maybe the Biden administration will want to downplay this pill because everything is about the vax for them. And if people think there's a pill, they'll be less likely to take the vax. So they would just assume this announcement had been put off for a month or so. In a way, maybe so. And it, and it is kind of a downside if it leads fewer people to get vaxxed. Now, were you, you were, yeah, you were uh, Moderna, right? I was Moderna and I, I, my initial, my initial sentiment was, I don't want to take another a booster shot because I have this arthritis-like symptom and what if it makes it worse? And now I'm thinking, I don't want to be non-immune, so I, I'm desperate for the booster shot. Yeah, and but I'm Moderna, you don't, need a, you don't need a booster so soon, do you? I, I don't know. I, I got it in April. So what's when do you need a booster? Five, six think, months, right? I think sooner for Pfizer than Moderna, according to the data. For, yeah, for Pfizer, but, they're saying six months. I'm not quite old enough uh, to qualify for the booster unless, well, it's a long story. But but, uh, but anyway, I did get Pfizer. And, and, and they are saying that I'd be about, in theory, about ready for a booster if I qualify. Okay, and you're going to get it? Well, I'm not sure if they've change the rules on mm. what on well, on what what qualifies you to get well, it if you're under 65 because well, they do that on a state-by-state -state basis well, this I'm, is the point the, the messaging on the booster is almost as bad as the messaging for this show which i is, wouldn't go that far but it's bad uh, it's really but bad it's, but it's confusing i mean are we do we want the, do they want us to take the booster do they not want us to take the booster the agencies of the government are fighting i don't i get no clear guidance when i read the papers or the web what am I supposed to do? I guess I'll call my doctor and, and ask him what to do, but it seems like there should be a message that doesn't require you to call your doctor. Uh, so I, I just think it's a, it's a fuck up that might hurt Biden more than not passing this bill. Uh, wait, which part is the fuck up that would hurt Biden? The bad messaging. on, on Does, does the Biden administration want us to get boosters or not? Uh, they want us, They want you to get a booster if you're 65 or older. Have they said that clearly? They've said it for Pfizer people, I think. Yeah. 
I mean, the uh, FDA, the FDA, didn't the FDA approve? Uh, they overruled their own scientists, I believe. Yes. And approved the booster. I yes, mean, the, but- the argument against it is that, you know, the rest of the world needs vaccines more than we do. And, and arguably even, you know, maybe we need for the rest of the world to get vaccines more than we need them. Uh, if you look at like, you know, where the new variants. Well, that would be the argument that would appeal to me. Otherwise, I say fasten your oxygen mask before you help the person next to you. Uh-huh. But, uh, well, uh, now speaking of, uh, your imagined, uh, symptoms about hip, hip discomfort, Mickey. It, I'm, I'm experiencing it, it even as we speak, Bob. This is a great segue. Are you actually? Yeah. Cause when I switch to this hard chair from the chair, I usually sit in it or it's hurts a bit. Yeah. And this is, you're saying this is totally post-vax. Is yeah, it, but it, happened five, it happened five days after the vax, so maybe mm. it's not vax related. On the other hand, joint pain is one of the side effects right. of the vax. Now, doesn't so. a new doesn't roughly every five days bring a new form of joint pain for a person mm. of your advanced age? No, no, um, does for me. So anyway, As, speaking of symptoms that may or may not be true, you know this whole Havana syndrome thing. Yeah. Where okay, so initially people and in, I guess the U.S. Embassy or consulate or whatever in in Havana said they had nausea, headaches, whatever. And then you started hearing, well, also some of our uh, our workers in Russia or in here or in there. And pretty soon you're hearing that this was happening all over the world and people were taking very seriously. There was a New York Times piece that took very seriously uh, the idea that uh, this was the result of some hostile power using some kind of microwave weapon or maybe some uh, microwave related surveillance technology they were using, having this as a side effect. Um, and it's still I've been skeptical all along. I mean, uh, I remember now they're I, saying it's psychosomatic. Well, the, there was just a piece in the Daily Beast that was about a report that the State Department commissioned and the Beast got a hold of it. It wasn't a leak. I think it wasn't classified. It was just a FOIA thing. But the Beast was the first to get a hold of it. And I assume they commissioned a study with these reputable scientists. Um, And there were a couple of things. They said, first of all, it could well be what they called psychogenic. Uh, In other words, you know, just kind of uh, this group psychology thing where you start hearing that other people are sick and you either imagine symptoms of your own or attribute unrelated symptoms to this syndrome thing. Uh, But they also said, you know, in Havana, originally, a number of people reported they heard this sound, this strange sound, and then it's roughly the same time they had the symptoms. And the report says the most likely source of that sound is this exotic species of cricket in Cuba. This <laughs> some cricket from the Indies. Indies is in its name. Um, and they said, in any event, uh, how did they put it that I mean, I'll get it up and quote from it because I've got a little item on this in uh, in my newsletter. But the basic idea was um, there's no way uh, that something could be responsible, that, that the thing that they were hearing, uh, I want to quote, quote it so I don't get it wrong, but um, the uh, we're getting there, we're getting there. Um, quote from the report, no plausible single source of energy neither radio microwaves nor sonic, radio slash microwaves nor sonic, 
can produce both the recorded audio video signals and the reported medical effects. So, um, you know, I, I think the State Department is not uh, is not dropping the matter, but it was pretty sketchy to begin with, I got to say. Um, Has anybody died from this? No. No, I think some people uh, report enduring symptoms, but I think, you know, months ago on this podcast, I quoted you the seemingly ridiculous thing in this New York Times piece that took this very seriously. And they said somewhere in the world, they didn't specify where somewhere in the world, a military officer. Well, there's a lot of military officers somewhere in the world drove up to an intersection, started feeling nauseous. The baby in the backseat started crying. Then when he pulled out of the intersection, he no longer felt bad and the baby quit crying. Well, first of all, I always feel better when a baby <laughs> quits crying, okay? <laughs> and sometimes I start feeling bad when they start crying. But first of all, just, uh, and you know, I was listening to this podcast, this Ben Rhodes, Tommy Vitor podcast is part of the, you know, it's Pod Save the World, part of the Pod Save America thing. They're really taking, they're still, well, they taped this before this uh, Beast piece, I think, but they're taking this very serious. I mean, they're like, they sound like sure there's something there. It just seems to me kind of nuts to be assigning a very high probability to to the idea that all of these people in these far flung places are victims of a single thing. I don't know. Maybe you have I'm to wrong. listen to Ben Rose and Tommy Veter as part of your blob monitoring activities. I'm so sorry for you. It's pretty. It's well. It's in it. Why, why do you say? So you're familiar with boring both talk of them? about foreign policy. Oh, just boring. Well, that's. I, I don't find foreign policy boring. I find. There are things about it I like and things about it that annoy me. Those two would be talking foreign policy speak. I'll elaborate in the period. They probably talk in real English, right? Uh, Yeah, because neither one of them, you know, I I think, I mean, remember Ben Rhodes, when he started, when the way he became, his path to being an Obama national security aide began with his being in the creative writing program at NYU. I mean, he was in the graduate program there and somehow that led to his writing speeches for Obama and that led him to being a foreign policy guy. But I'm going to I'm going to talk about that a little more in the in the parrot room, Um, maybe. Oh, also in the parrot room, by the way, I'm going to talk about what a bad idea it is to go to Mickey Kaus for advice on what you should write about in your newsletter. Okay, Um, And. uh, uh, Anyway, um. Uh, I want to talk about something now from last week, which is uh, involving replacement theory. Remember that that has gotten a lot a big boost uh, this week because uh, somebody, I guess, it was in Politico, said you know replacement theory is now going mainstream. There are a couple of Republican congressmen who've talked about it, and it's racist. Okay. Well, we had and a big my, argument about this in the parrot room last week, did we not? Okay, in the parrot room. Well, we can have an argument about it here because I've always thought that any community, when it senses itself uh, swamped or overrun with new people who are changing the community, they get pissed off and annoyed. And this is a natural human thing, and you should respect it. For example, uh, in in DC. The black community was always talking about the plan and the plan was white people move in and they take over Shaw and the ghetto and they, the black people move out and, uh, and it becomes a white area and their community is destroyed. And I, oh, nobody said, oh, you're racist for thinking that. They said, oh, you're, you know, they, they gave it some credence. And in fact, it's exactly what happened. Yeah, but do you, think there, a, a do you think there was a plan? Do you think there was a plan? 
But do you think there was a plan? No, but the plan was the conspiratorial superstructure on this basic uh, basic natural okay. human sentiment. And when white people feel the same way, Bob, where is your fabled cognitive empathy? Why don't you understand the legitimate point, which is the fear of your community changing forever? And in fact, specifically, if you're an employee of actually being replaced by, you know, by, by somebody who was just imported or just came across the border, why, isn't, why, why don't you have any cognitive empathy for those people? By cognitive empathy, you mean, why don't I understand what their perspective is? That's what cognitive empathy means. I understand what their perspective I is. Thought, don't you have to somehow give it, not just understand it, but give it credence? No, you just have to understand it. it. You just have to understand. I mean, maybe it's implied that, uh, you know, that's the way they would see it if they have that exact perspective. But that's almost definitely additionally true of all perspectives so in the world. So if you were that person, you'd see the world the way they do. So, any so it doesn't involve any giving it respect or giving it props or anything. I'll remember um, that next time you talk about cognitive empathy for what China feels, that you're saying it could be completely crazy. And no, no it, it's just it's racist. But all you're doing is you're understanding what they think. No, you're not doing that. You're giving it some respect. No, that's you're no, I mean you're wrong. You're absolutely wrong. When I say I want to extend cognitive empathy to Putin or Assad, I'm not saying I sympathize with the things they do. I'm saying if you're going to deal with them effectively, you better understand the way they see the world. You better understand the way Syrians see the world, the way Russians see the world. You better for example understand that uh there's no such thing as an autocrat in the real world. All of these people have actual popular support of some magnitude. You better understand the way those people uh, see those rulers, why they support them and things like that. No, I, I, there's no you should keep value judgments entirely out of the cognitive empathy business. Your job is just to uh, value judgments are what impede cognitive empathy. It, it's like. And people try to use the impute value judgments to you to discourage you from exercising cognitive empathy. You say, well, I think here's the way Assad looks at it. You go, oh, you're an Assad apologist, are you? No, I'm not. I'm just trying to understand him. So, but but to get back to the replacement thing. So first of all, that's the answer to that question. Am I, have I been clear? You've been clear. We'll see, we'll see if you hew to this hard line in the future. And maybe we'll see it in the parrot room. But the other thing I said last, week in the parrot room, this is what we had the big argument about, is uh, replacement theory isn't just what you just described. In other words, them feeling threatened and or dislocated uh, by a rapid change in kind of ethnic composition. That is a common, what you just described is a common feature of human affairs. It shouldn't surprise us when people react that way. Uh, and and we should take it into account and and deal with it one way or the other. But replacement theory is beyond that. It is, as you said, the idea that there is a plan. This is planned. I mean, replacement well, theory is is often paired with white genocide, right? They're this trying a, to wipe us out. This is a this is a semantic argument. I'm it's saying it's not just semantic. It is. It, is it, it it wouldn't be semantic if the congressman were saying and replacement theory is real and the Jews are running it. But they don't say that. They just say. People are worried about being replaced. And the press goes, oh, so you're saying the Jews are running it. No, they're not saying that. But Mickey, oh, this is replacement theory. You're mainstreaming anti-Semitism. No, you're not. They're just, they're just stating the reasonable uh, feelings of large parts of their constituents. And then people like you come along and say, oh, that's anti-Semitism. Well, there are people who are anti-Semitic. Well, first of all, I have a, first of all, but there are I also have... a lot of people who just, you know, felt that they were be felt their communities were threatened and they wanted to find out if anybody could give them guidance. 
First of all, I haven't said it's anti-Semitism. If I reflect on it a while, I may be willing to say that, but I haven't said it. But but my what I would say is. Well, the when ADL Tucker, has weighed in big time on this. So well, you know, you, you know about my uh, my spotty, uh, my checkered uh, past with the ADL. So all I'm saying is, this popularly perceived as an anti-Semitic, uh, is Jews being involved? Okay. Well, what I would say is, when Tucker Carlson goes around throwing around the word replacement very often, he knows fucking well what he's doing, and one thing he's doing is nourishing the conspiracy theorists who subscribe to replacement theory per se. He knows it. He know, Are you saying he doesn't know that, Mickey? No, he knows it. But, but you uh, know, but? But one of the functions of public figures is to take the reasonable demands of crazy people and thereby sap the strength of their movement. I'm not saying that's what he's doing. It's the he's opposite of what he's doing. He's obviously playing footsie with them. But, but you're allowed to say, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, yes, these people have this beef, but they have mm -hmm. this also crazy theory that's wrong. It is perfectly reasonable to say, look, uh, the people in Shaw in D.C. were completely reasonable to fear that whites were taking over their neighborhood and that would change it forever. But uh, there but wasn't, wasn't a plot. It probably was a plot among various real estate investors, but uh, that's not, not the a, kind of plot they mean. Well, I, I don't know kind what of kind of plot. They I think mean. they made all kinds of plots, but um, uh, well. It, but but let's get back to Tucker. You, you you know you did describe a constructive role that Tucker Carlson could play. What you described is definitely not what he's doing. Are you defending what he is doing? No, no, I, that's a fair criticism that he's not playing the he's not playing the constructive role that he could play. But just because you mentioned the word replacement doesn't mean you're endorsing the whole conspiracy. Not theory. all people who use it do that, and and he is not explicitly endorsing it. I mean, but he knows damn well one way that's juicing his ratings. I mean, there was a great story in BuzzFeed of all places, BuzzFeed, which calls everybody, I think including me, a racist. Uh, he had this great story about a farm in Georgia where the foreman came out and say, all you Americans, you're fired. We've hired immigrants to replace you, okay? Those Americans, it seems to me, are allowed to think they've been replaced because they were replaced. Oh, yeah. They were literally replaced. Okay. Uh, if their so theory is there. that they were replaced, that theory is correct. Um, so I, I, you know, I don't have anything to, to add. I think I've uh, I've I've maintained my calm much better than I did last time we discussed. It, it, replacement I know I'm theory. very annoyed by that, but it seems to me you should I, have I, actual empathy as opposed to just cognitive empathy. If people well, are I, suffering, I, you, should you should actually have empathy. empathize. You should have, have empathy. Have for, feelings have feelings. For you them. should have empathy for everyone who is suffering, literally everyone, including the most monstrous criminals. That's my actual philosophy. Now, do I go around spending my time feeling everyone's pain? No, that's that's like you short. have more empathy for people who aren't monstrous criminals. Naturally, I do. But as a, as a philosophical matter. Uh, I, I, I believe that everyone, everyone deserves compassion. And if I had been born in, in Charles Manson's shoes, I would have been Charles Manson. Um, but, uh, so. It's okay. Cut. We have our pull quote. <laughs> that's that's no. like. You think we like can go a, viral with that one? <laughs> when I, I, I spent like a day on the 1988 campaign and the reason Sam Donaldson is famous is because he, he, you know, Dukakis would be up For there For younger talking. viewers, he was an ABC News uh, guy. A is memorable he personality. What? Well, he's he he's not away? practicing. Oh, God, he's got to be, I'll bet, 
Let's let's place. You want to go ahead and place a bet on whether he's alive, and then I'll settle no, it. I right think he died. Much? I think he died. But wait, you can't change your tune. I'm on the death side of the bet. <laughs> okay. Anyway, and, it, and it's for a billion dollars, and no, it's uh, not for a billion dollars. It's for a trillion dollars. Um, actually, I'm not sure. I want to bet. I don't think I want to bet. <laughs> um. Uh. So. Uh. He would be yelling from the back, from like behind the cameras. Would Dukakis be talking? He says, "Okay, we have our soundbite. We can go home now. Yeah. Cut." <laughs> you know, and Dukakis would still be talking, and it was hilarious. I mean, it was incredibly rude, but it was hilarious. He wasn't joking. He was talking to his camera people. He was half joking mm. and half half making fun of his profession, and another half serious. So three halves. Um, but um. One other little, uh, how, let's see, we're, we probably are about, yeah, we're about ready to sign off. It's we're, we're closing in on an hour. Quick thing on, on Guinea that I found out. So I don't know if you knew there, there was this, uh, kind of, well, funny is not the word, but, uh, embarrassing moment for the U S war on terror where in Guinea, you know, as, as in so many countries, I mean, as in like, literally, I think like 40 countries or something, we had American troops like training, uh, their special forces on anti-terrorism grounds, right? Uh, to, to be these better fighters of terrorism. Right. This is a specific special forces unit, the elite unit in Guinea. And uh, so we're training them, you know, they're good. They're good at what they do. And while the instructors training them were asleep, they went off and staged a coup. They took over <laughs> the fucking country. And at the time, I thought that that was the <laughs> indictment of... The war on terror just showed how kind of clueless we are. But I learned even more about that. That's that's more damning about the way we're conducting the war on terror. Um, I was listening to Mark Leon Goldberg's uh, podcast, Global Dispatches, and he was uh, interviewing some guy uh, from, I think, Guinea, but definitely an African guy. You could you could uh, tell by the accent who really knew the territory. And he said, uh, I mean, the funny thing about this elite force is it was chosen. It was created by the president who was deposed. And what this guy said is the president said at the time that it was a special anti-terrorism force, but, you know, insiders knew that he was creating it to be his own special protection force because he was afraid of being overthrown. So it's kind of right. funny and ironic that they wound up overthrowing him. But, but it is a really serious point that, you know, we go in, these leaders say, yeah, we're on your side in the war on terror. Uh, come help us train and equip these troops. And the U.S. just falls for it. We have no fucking idea what's going on. Well, that's the same thing happened as Afghanistan on a much larger scale. Yeah. I mean, it, it really, we, we need to get ambitious about reining in this war on terror and, uh, and bring people back from a whole lot of countries. Did I dream that there was a coup in Tunisia, which was the only successful Arab Spring no, you didn't bring that. Movement? There was a coup in Tunisia, which was until then the only successful Arab Spring thing. Huh. Was that recently? Yeah, pretty recent. I huh. think the guy, and I think uh, within the last week or two, he took another step. Uh, I think originally he had claimed it was legit so long as he didn't go a year without doing something or other like call elections and blah, blah, blah. But, but I think he's now gone further and it's clearer and clearer that, uh, you know, I mean, I think. One Sorry, of that he's going into the anti-democratic direction. Well, that yeah, that he's yeah, that he's not letting go. I mean, you know, imagine if we had spent a small fraction of the resources. You know, one one thing that happened in Tunisia 
is it had tremendous economic problems, and that's going to be bad for any fledgling democracy. And one reason a lot of countries are having uh, a lot of countries kind of like that are having economic problems is because they had been somewhat dependent on tourism and COVID wiped that out. But if we had spent a fraction of what we spent on Afghanistan, um, you know, trying to to uh, nourish the economy, that's assuming we do a good job of it. But, you know, as usual, it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't the focus anyway. Yeah. So that's bad. Here's a bet uh, that you might win. You might not. Uh, the the, the a drone strike that killed this innocent family in Kabul mm-hmm. uh, uh, after it fell. Uh, apparently, a journalist named Lara Seligman, I think is her name, has written a yeah, I know her father a good uh, a good account of how it came to be. And I bet if we read that account, we will discover at some point political pressure from the Biden administration to do something to make uh, it look like better to leave Kabul or to do a little macho gesture or something to make us look slightly more successful came into the equation. Wait, you're saying if we read her account, we'll see that? Or at some point, if we read- Well, either way, I I suspect it's in her account. I haven't read uh, the account. We had this argument before. I mean- Right, and I'm saying this is more evidence. I certainly don't believe, I certainly don't believe that anybody- you know, like, like, you know, remember Henry Kissinger's famous instructions for the bombing of, I think, Cambodia. Uh, what was it? Get get anything in the flies, get get every anything that flies to bomb anything that moves. I don't think I don't think it was uh, quite that cynical. I, I don't I mean, I, I can't believe that anybody said or thought we just need a kill. Doesn't matter if they're civilians or not. I don't believe anybody said or thought that. In part because you can't cover this shit up as easily as you used to. Well, they're going to find out. being explicit. All I all I all I'm saying is at some point they call the white they call the White House and the White House puts whatever the equivalent of Ben Rhodes on the phone and and they say should we do this or not and he goes well why don't you do it you know uh, uh, well my that would be the avenue by which. Uh, Craven politics. I think the pressure was of a different sort. They had had the one horrific bombing at the airport. And I think the the Biden administration very much wanted not to have another bombing. And I think it was and I I think there was some intelligence that there would be one. And so if they erred on the side of permissiveness, uh, that I think that was the reason. And I'm sure they did err on the side of permissiveness. and, And you just you see why, you know, this happens or how it happens. It's like, so I guess this started out. They saw this car that went to some house that they had been told was some kind of terrorist haven or something. It turns out they were wrong. But anyway, once they started following this car, it was going around picking up things at various places. And I think they thought, now that's weird. Most cars don't stop and pick shit up at a bunch of places. Yeah, on the other hand, most terrorist bombings don't fucking involve that either. They build the bomb and they go to the fucking target. But this just shows you how bad confirmation bias is. Once you've got the theory, oh, these are the bad guys. It's like, oh, that's weird. That's weird. Let's kill them. Well, anyway, that's the bet. You're saying it's uh, legitimate fear of terror. And I'm saying that... uh, politics and making Biden look good entered into it. So we'll see. Well, 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 let's be clear. What are you saying the nature of the instructions are that we'll find? That they'll say, make us look good politically? We'll just find that at some point, it was not just 
bias about being worried about a terrorist attack. It was bias induced by the need for Biden to strike was, some sort of we, blow. We need to live. Look good. We need one last bombing before we go. Sort of the parting shot. I, I don't. I maybe feel. I'm not cynical enough, but I think this would be the first time in my life that was the case. Or a victory. But you vehemently resisted this idea, so you lose the bet. I just don't think it's a case because I don't think it's a hypothesis you need, given how much pressure there was on them to prevent another bombing. Just the fact that you don't need it doesn't mean it didn't happen. Hypothesis non fingo. <laughs> what is that quote? Uh, yeah. I don't even know if that's it, but I think in Latin that means I have no need of yeah. that hypothesis. Um, <laughs> we didn't discuss. Wait, 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 Mickey, Mickey, we're up over an hour. We can't. Okay, I'll be you know, quick. I'll be quick. Be very quick. I'll be quick. We have to get this. Wade, you know, Wade Newton was this, is was is a success in Las Vegas because he says, "No, I know we're supposed to stop, but I can't stop. We got to go on. We're having such a good time. Hold the hold the curtain." You know, okay. You got make, so you makes wanna, it look like he's breaking Wayne, all the rules. You want to be the so, Wayne Newton of podcasting? I wish. Uh, we're, we're we're breaking all the rules here, Bob. First of all, we're most busting most, through our time limit. Most people aren't old enough to remember who Wayne Newton was, and that's another bet we could make. Is Wayne Newton alive? There's a fa- there's a famous was, there's a famous profile of Wayne Newton in some magazine about how he puts on the show that makes this point. It may have been written by Ron Rosenbaum or is told about it by Ron Rosenbaum. Anyway, and it, 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 it's, it's billed as the greatest magazine piece ever written. And everybody says, oh, bullshit. And then they read it and they say, that was the greatest magazine piece ever written. Mm. So um, what can I say? Um, I don't know. Why don't you say the thing you were going to say before we signed off so we can okay, sign the off? Border, the border crisis has seemingly been resolved. The 12,000 no. Haitian migrants have gone from the have gone from under the bridge in Del Rio, Texas. The uh, 2,000 or so of them have been flown back to Haiti. Uh, The vast majority of them were released into the country. They got in. Uh, So, you know, they'll they'll be given appointments for hearings that they don't really have to show up at, et cetera, et cetera. And even if they lose the hearing, they can just still stay. So they're here to stay. Uh, The question is what deterrent effect this has on the hundreds of thousands of other people who are in Latin America, not all Latin Americans, waiting to come here. And Todd Bensman of uh, Center on Immigration Studies has, to my mind, done by far the best reporting on this. He, he, and he's not even that, he's not that ideological. He, he, he discovered why, why did 12,000 Haitians all of a sudden descend in on Del Rio, Texas? Mm-hmm. Answer A, they were bottled up by the Mexicans. The Trump administration had gotten the Mexican to bottle the Mexicans to bottle them up in the south of Mexico, and the Biden administration had gotten the Mexicans to continue this policy. But then all of a sudden, they decided, well, we have a holiday coming up called El Grito, and we don't want all these Haitians around, you know, being a a public issue. And they let they said, okay, you guys got three days to leave the country, and they all bust up north to get into America. So they basically the Mexicans started this sort of jailbreak-like thing. And they all went to Del Rio, Texas, because the cartels, there are no cartels to charge money for getting in through Del Rio, Texas. So it's free. So that's why they all converged on Del Rio, because it's 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 the it's the bargain basement uh entry point. Well I was so, about to say these are some pretty well informed migrants, but I know you would say exactly that's what you don't understand and go on a whole riff about other stuff. So I'm correct. not gonna say They're that extremely you, well informed they get all the latest info on your I didn't say it. I didn't say I didn't say it. I pretend I didn't say it. They know that the composition of Denny Hastert's committee that 
you know, applied the Hastert rule to block amnesty. I mean, they know everything. You wouldn't so, go that far. <laughs> but uh, the so but Bensman also reports that the flights to Haiti were an incredibly effective deterrent. There were like 5,000 Haitians that immediately went back to Mexico when they saw this happen, okay, because they were terrified. Mm. Well, so as the you question said, of this, Haiti wasn't even their home. They hadn't been there in years. So it's like, well, well, they hadn't been there for since 2010. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, shit. That's why I wouldn't want to go to any country I hadn't been in in 10 years. That ain't home. Well, that, that gave it. So, this is different from your garden variety. They presumably could have gone back at any time. So, there's a reason why they didn't go back. Yeah. They Haiti's didn't want to be in great there, shape. Right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, the question is does this deterrent outweigh all the pro deterrence that Biden is also instituting, like Mayorkas announcing today that we're not going to deport anybody who isn't a criminal? He doesn't commit a, cr a crime in addition to coming into the country illegally. Mm -hmm. So uh, so that basically says it, you're home free. If you get in, you're home free. That's a huge magnet, right? And the fact that you're going to get in, likely get in in the first place is a huge magnet. But does picking a, a sort of minority and actually shipping them back home actually counteract this magnet force with a deterrent force? What will happen? That's the big issue. I don't think anybody knows. There's 60,000 Haitians on the way. There are hundreds of thousands of people of other nationalities. Are they all going to come or are they now going to be deterred? I actually don't know the answer. I think I know what the answer is, it's, but I don't know. It seems imponderable. So this is not something we should take up in the pair room because we just don't know. No. Oh, we should talk about it a lot. But uh, um, Okay. We should hours and hours. A spinoff show. Okay. We'll do a spinoff on, on this. Maybe on Carlos Watson's Aussie Network, uh, which is something we should talk about in the Parrot Room. Okay, Aussie Network. I'm writing down things we're going to talk about in the Parrot Room. Uh, remember, you've got some stolen joke you alluded to earlier that you're going to tell us. I'm going I to say, I'm, yeah, you remember that no, earlier? It was only an hour ago. We can we can uh, rack our brains and remember that. The um, uh, I've got one little anecdote from the best and brightest that's Trump-related. Uh, you're, um, wait, what does this say? Mickey's... Bad shit. That you could fill that in with so many things. Really? I don't know what that's. I don't know what that last word is. I wrote that down. Mickey's bad advice. Mickey's bad. Oh, I gave advice for what topics to pick to write about. Oh yeah, newsletter. Yeah. Um. The uh, my newsletter. I'll get to that. Uh. Oh, I'm on the roads. Uh, Veter podcast. I have a confession about why I don't like Tommy Veter. It's all going to come out. Um. Okay. The the uh, our argument last week in the parrot room, and I was chastised by commenters. I was chastised both by commenters for this podcast for being rude and commenters for the parrot room for losing uh, my cool because you successfully trolled me, which by the way has not happened so far in this podcast. It will not happen in the parrot room. Okay. Good luck. Troll I don't think Bob. you're rude when I draw you. I think you're entertaining I when I draw you. I know you. And you always say at the end, no, you were good, Bob. You were good. That's because you want me to make a fool of myself. That's well, that's you, like when I went on Crossfire and they said I was the best guest they had since Rabbi Kahana. They, 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 uh, who was assassinated they, for his efforts. Sorry, wasn't he assassinated? Later. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, not on. Not on set. Um, this no, isn't but after uh, I had appeared, and they they were saying you're going to be assassinated. This is network. Network. The they, movie. They network. were saying you were a crazy hothead, and that's good TV. Right. Well, I don't I don't want to be the crazy hothead anyway, but I do want to explain more why I was triggered, not just not not so much by the uh, replacement theory thing, but by your will defending the Willie Horton ad from the uh, back in the Dukakis, uh, the Bush Dukakis campaign. Um, Aussie Network, 
maybe talk about that ind- immigration uh, conundrum you just and, no, and whatever no, else. That, I was no. joking about that. Yeah, okay, that, we're not. The uh, answer is I think I think they'll still come. I think the incentive is stronger than the deterrent. But um, and maybe I'll renew my flagging effort to get you to uh, try a dating app. Uh, it's looking like it's an uphill struggle, but yeah, that's not going to happen. Mickey, don't spoil the Drop don't drain drain the drama from it. Um, I'm draining the drama. The um, anything else? I, I have a Karen? nominee. For, I was going to talk about Willie Horton too. So what the hell? Excellent. Um, uh, I have a nominee for a potential guest. Okay, guest uh, nominee. We need I those. Have a, a a mystery of uh, the mystery of the cloned horse. We'll talk about cl- horse cloning, Bob. Can't wait. Uh, and something about libel law that I didn't know. What we reckless can... disregard is and why oh, it's good. important. Well, you know, that's always relevant because uh, on my last podcast, the one that aired this Tuesday, we, we, we talked about Eric Weinstein's not so veiled libel threats. And maybe this will give us an excuse to bring a little Weinstein into the parrot room. So anyway, it's a patreon.com slash parrot room. And uh, other ways you can show us love include smashing the like button, following Mickey at at Mickey, following me at at Robert Ryder, subscribing to the non-zero newsletter or Cows Files. What else, Mickey? That's about it, isn't it? Um, yeah, I also have an Ezra Klein point, not a very good one. Uh, well, you should, you know, you've got about half a book's worth of not so great Ezra Klein points, and, so you might we as well. Oh, that was a cheap shot, Bob. I I'm sorry, I feel bad, but as yeah. you know, I consider Ezra Klein a god among men. I know, that's becoming your catchphrase. Um, the, um, and we could talk about the Biden administration's crazy idea, maybe you buy it, that all these things they're proposing have zero cost. Oh, yeah, I think that's easy for me to dispatch. Okay, Biden, zero cost. And then, uh, you know, we'll, we'll go over some commenters' comments and uh, just have a crazy time. It's a wild place. And we'll break all the rules. Oh, I'm going to talk more about drugs. Drug like talk. Wayne Newton. Drug talk. And Mickey will do his Wayne Newton impression. No, I'm not going to do a Wayne Newton impression. No, Okay. All right. Darling, Okay. Uh, thank you, Mickey. We'll, we'll see you in the pair.